dressing yourself, I find, is very similar to how, you know, you think about a space and how a space can feel like you. You know, you're pulling items that really speak to you and, and tell a story about who you are. And so I, I felt like that was, in terms of when I styled, it was a similar process. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, welcome to Imprint. I'm very excited to share today's conversation with you. It is with Erina Tepa. Um, her name is actually Maori and I can't roll my R's, so you just have to um, give me a little bit of grace with the pronunciation. But she has a incredible Instagram feed for those of you who aren't familiar with it. It is at E-R-E-N-A-T-E-P-A-A. And um, she basically started out as a fashion stylist and then moved into the world of interiors. And since having children, has really used her home as a canvas to explore her creativity. She shares DIY projects and upcycling projects and has a beautiful, simple, grounded aesthetic and has a beautiful share story to share with you today. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. And um, I'll put all the links in the show notes too. Hi, Erina. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to learning more about your story because I love what you do. I love your work, but you're a bit of an enigma to me. Um, you know, you don't necessarily share a lot about your own personal um, background and story. So this is often where I start on the podcast. Just love hearing about, you know, the threads between, you know, who you were as a child and the journey that you've been on and um, how you've got to where you are now. So can you share a little bit about your background and, and your childhood, where you grew up and um, if you were creative as a child? Yes, sure. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> Lovely to be here. Uh, yes, so growing up, I um, was one of three, two brothers either side, middle child. Um, and I, I had a lovely childhood, but I, I definitely was very crafty growing up. And I think um, it's funny because I only know from looking back and actually self-assessing and going, well, actually, I had a grandmother who was around me all the time. And she was a sewer. Um, and she also worked at an opportunity shop, which is thrifted, was thrifted clothing. Uh, she worked for the church and she would always um, create masterpieces in terms of clothing, whether I liked them or not was, you know, and would always kind of be imposing them upon me. And um, at the time as a child, I sort of didn't really understand it and thought, okay. Um, but as I've grown, um, I have basically crafted all my life <laughs> and I have a um, a love of secondhand pieces, and so um, I like to I like to say it's because of her because she was kind of always there. I mean, she passed away when I would have been at high school, 
but by that stage, it had all sort of sunken in and I had kind of taken on a lot of these qualities and traits, uh, which I now see brought to life um, as I'm obviously a lot older. But um, yeah, so, yes. I'm oh, sorry. No, carry on. So, so sorry. Because <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, um, you know, if anyone hasn't seen your Instagram feed, I'll definitely link to that in the show notes because um, what, you know, your home is beautiful and amazing and you are often sharing creative projects sort of, um, I guess, how would you describe it? Like you're kind of upcycling objects or you're kind of reinventing objects from found pieces. How yes. would you describe it? I would say upcycling. I mean, I wish there was a more, uh, I don't know, like I kind of think <laughs> it sort of encompasses everything when you say upcycling and people, I don't know, in my mind, I'm thinking of like child projects. Um, but that is essentially what I'm doing. And I, I remember very vividly when I was in high school, third form, and I partook in a competition which was recycled wear. And I found myself in that, in that section. I was like, this is, this is me. This is where I belong. And I made a Victorian dress. I don't, my parents have a picture somewhere, but I made a Victorian dress out of fertilizer sacks, which I'd sewn together <laughs> and um, paraded around this um, stage uh, looking, I don't know, like um, little Bo Peep or something. <laughs> and I loved it. And I just loved the idea of looking at something that I guess we sort of see as being something else and I see it as something else and so I I just love to transform it but it, in its essence it is upcycling <laughs> and I still do it yeah as you know <laughs> um yeah I mean the the creations are incredible and and like I said you must if you have if you're not familiar with um Erin's work then you must go and check them out but so then tell us about, you know, those kind of teenage years where you're starting to think about what you might do after school. What were you thinking you were going to go into, you know, post-school? And what did you do after school in terms of did you go on for further study or did you start working? I'd love to know. Yeah, some so I, for a time, I thought that I wanted to go into fashion. So I did um, at high school, I did a lot of sewing classes and turns out I'm a terrible sewer. <laughs> um, Me too. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so really fertilizer sex is pretty much like my laneway versus actual fabric. <laughs> so I learned pretty quickly that that was something I actually didn't like. Um, and then throughout as high school kind of uh, persevered and then I went into university, I um, sort of headed down more of a journalistic um, trail where I did uh, a lot of, um, it was more to do with writing and um, communication studies was what I did at university, which I think now I loved it because it was a bit of everything, but it was also a little bit like, at least the way I saw it was, it was for people who didn't quite know where they fit, but they played to their strengths, which at that time was also writing. And so I did that and I thought, well, I want to be a journalist, you know. <laughs> and then I did a couple of journal, um, journalism papers and I realized I really don't want to be a journalist. And uh, But I did, I finished my studies and that was all fine. And I sort of ended up in marketing roles um, for corporate brands and, and things like that. And 
that was fine. I was good at my job, but again, there was this always this kind of inkling, like what you you need to be creative. Um, and it was actually my a lovely boss at my first ever job after university, and she said, she goes, look, I've seen an advertisement for a day as a stylist, and I was like, oh my gosh! And she said, you need to, you need to apply, you need to do everything you can. So I did. I submitted all of these uh, mood boards and sent them off, and I won this competition to be a, wow. uh, to win a day as a stylist. Now. The stylist that I was going to see, she was a, a personal stylist, so fashion, clothing, finding your personal style. Um, and that was a wonderful experience. And at the end of that day, she said to me, well, actually, I think you have what it takes to, to work for me. And I was like, okay. Like, so I came in this weird, like, who does that? Like, <laughs> and so I ended up working for her uh, as a stylist for a couple of years. And that was great. Uh, I learned a lot about, you know, colors, but it was mainly sort of what you wore. But I think in my heart of hearts, because the job was away from my now husband, I was always going to come back to Hamilton, which is where I live now, and settle down. And um, I wanted to still be, be in a creative job, but I needed to be closer to home. And so I ended up... Um, it, it's kind of a case of who you know, and I ended up meeting a, um, who was she at the time? She was a friend of a friend, and she needed a stylist to um, to help put together a campaign. And I said, well, I, I do styling, but it's a little bit different. And she basically took a chance on me. And I did this campaign, and then the photographer and uh, the, the creative director were like, well, we see potential in you. Here's some other campaigns. Do you want to do them? And that's kind of how I ended up doing. Um, it was first fashion styling, more commercial. And then they had a couple of, um, I guess, catalogs, marketing material that had home components. And I don't really know how, rather than they were just like, oh, well, you're here. <laughs> Do you want to also go into home? And I said, well, actually, yes, I've just bought a home and I love homewares. And, and so I started sourcing product um, for those campaigns and, um, yeah, and then sort of weaseled my way into um, home styling and interior styling through that. Uh, and then the stuff that you see on Instagram has really come about because we bought, essentially, this is our second home so we sold our first home and bought a, a do-up a major do-up the kind you don't really buy unless you love it <laughs> and <laughs> thankfully I am crazy enough to love it so so much and then so yes and so I've been um, putting all of my creative energy into doing up this house room by room upcycle project by upcycle project and then here we are <laughs> Although I didn't, yeah, I have two kids now too in that time, so, yes. All right, I, I've got so many questions to ask about this. Now, first of all, can, can yes. you, because um, a lot of people, they still don't really know what styling is, and I think it's really interesting that you actually started in fashion styling. So can you yes. just share a little bit about what actually does a fashion stylist do? Um, and then I think we can sort of then like look at, well, then when you started to do more interiors, then what did that involve for you? So first yes. of all, can you sort of break down, you know, like what did you do as a fashion stylist? 
I know. Yes. I think people, at least from my experience, always have a very glamorous idea of, oh my gosh, it must be amazing. And it is, but it's also a lot of work. So essentially I get given a brief and, uh, you know, and models to work with. And then I have to go out and I have to source clothing wherever it happens to be, whether it's um, malls, retailers, and I bring a whole bunch of clothing back to a set and then I put together looks and all these, um, and then I dress the models. There's a lot of weight <laughs> waiting around. Um, and then you've got a whole team around you that are deciding whether what you've put together is what it needs to be. Um, and then there are locations that you go and you dress the models, you put them in different looks for different briefs. And then the photographer takes the shot. And then, and then I basically have to gather up everything take lots of notes as to um, where the pieces come from, how much they cost, and the admin of all that. And then I have to take them all back, <laughs> take them all back to where they came from and start it all over again. But um, that's it condensed down. Uh, but okay. Yes. So so let's break it down even more. So yes. um, I guess when you, so you said you started out assisting somebody. So yes. maybe you can share a little bit about what it involves to assist somebody and I guess some of the lessons that you learn assisting and then I'd like to break it down in terms of like well who are your clients and you know how did you then get work um you know I guess and you know the logistics of all that because I think it's really helpful for people to know because I think that you know there's a lot of people who are curious about these kind of jobs but they're like what you know what does it even involve how do I even start how do I get clients you know all of that so yeah maybe let's start with the assisting so with the assisting the very first time I went into fashion styling I assisted a couple of uh very well-known fashion stylists in Auckland and I did that while I was actually working an ordinary job um and so a lot of that time was just running around after them uh, pulling clothes for them but essentially I was probably doing the jobs of ironing the clothes steaming the clothes taping the shoes which is a very uh, if you see these wonderful campaigns and all these wonderful clothes they still have to go back to a shop so so they need to be cared for and so I think at least my experience of assisting was caring for the garments and the items of clothing and then watching what the master at work was doing which was the head stylist um, and you, and then obviously there are makeup artists and hairstylists who I would just watch. So a lot of it is observing, but also for me, it was packing down the clothes, steaming them, taping the shoes, that kind of stuff while I was assisting anyway. Um, and then, <clears throat> uh, when I, I took on the role of lead stylist for the fashion shots, because the team was still quite small, it wasn't until later where I had an assistant. And so I would still be doing all of what I did in as, as an assistant, but I was also running the shoot. So I was dressing the model. I was deciding that this was going to be the key look that we were going to use for this particular shot. Um, and then I was dealing with a lot of the creative team. Is this what you want? Um, is this what the client wants? Because I think one of the things that I learned when I was styling is that you are you're an important part of a shoot, but you are just a little you know you are part of the 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 wheel that turns, and so there are a lot of people that you need to um, get 
be okay for. So I might have a vision for a look, but it then kind of goes up the chain of the various other people, the creative director, the client, etc., the company that I worked for. Um, yeah. That's, um, Can you give some examples of, because, um, I mean, my background is magazine interior styling and, and yeah. I also went on these kind of more commercial shoots, but I'm guessing that you're talking about like advertising clients correct um yes. you know commercial and and can you give us a bit of an insight into like what type of clients you know like what um what was the nature I guess of the shoots and like yeah. the locations and you know yeah so yeah, so or print yes so it was all print um there was a little bit of online but so the person who I talked about in the beginning who actually got me into taking on the role of styling, they worked for a um, what do you call it? a shopping mall, essentially. But this shopping mall was one branch of many. And so once they were happy with me doing the campaigns for this particular shopping mall, which were all print, all catalogy, magazine-y, e-zine type things, uh, they then decided, okay, well, we can take you on to the other regions and the other malls in those regions. And so I was always working with um, ad agencies, essentially. Um, so, yeah, in terms of styling, I, I never really got to style huge publications. I mean, that would still be a dream for me. But, yes, it was all one company that had all these other... <laughs> retailers under it and I just kind of went from region to region to region doing the catalogues the e-zines for them and so were you always working as a freelancer in this capacity yes. or were you an employee and then in terms of I guess like your rates how did you navigate that because I know that's something people you know often struggle with when they're they're starting out is like well how do I know what to charge yeah, definitely. So I was always a freelancer or a contractor, um, and I was always brought on by the agency. It was almost like they would always get me in every time they came, which they actually were an agency from Australia, so I would, but they were working in New Zealand, so they'd always pull me in. The, the pricing thing, it is hard because you, it's, because I had nothing else to go from, I'm effectively saying, how much am I worth? <laughs> and and will these people, because <laughs> I really want to do the job, you know, but I don't want to. So I sort of navigated that by just basically bouncing off my husband, essentially, and saying, you know, this is what I, this is what I think I need. And then um, pitching it to uh, the creative, creative director, who, I mean, luckily enough for me, he was always, yes, that's fine. We can work with that. And then as I grew in confidence, I would then say, you know what, I actually need an assistant and this is what, you know, so it was kind of me building in confidence as to say, I am worth this much, but also having an, a creative director that uh, was very, he knew I was new. <laughs> he knew that he kind of needed to nurture me a little bit so that I could feel like I could ask for more things. And because I was working with them for a few years, then the rates would change. And yeah, so I was just lucky that he was always very accepting of that. Um, and then I also, the only thing when you're working with agencies and then clients above that is that the clients 
don't always keep the same agency. And so they switched agencies. And so I also got to work with other agencies because they would take me on as a contractor because I knew the client. I knew what they liked. And that was interesting. <laughs> um, not in terms of my rates. My rates were okay. I kind of kept the same. But the way in which everybody works so differently and, and I kind of, because I was an outsider, I had to sort of found myself trying to kind of mold to what they wanted <laughs> or what they needed to see from from me and yeah and and I found that quite tricky I will admit because I was so used to working with an ad agency that I'd loved for a very long time and then I was cast into <laughs> to all these types of yeah look like the high-flying agencies where they just have it felt like they had 30 uh, 30 or 40 people on one little shoot to the very small agencies where you've got like three or four people. Um, so, yes. I don't know if I did. Yes. <laughs> did I answer yeah, yeah, some no, of no. your question? Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, personally for me, I mean, I, I kind of started to go down that path. I'd always worked in editorial, which are very, very small teams and very collaborative and, you know, always being able to have my own input. And then I did a few really big campaigns for, for kind of like big clients in the commercial world. And this is obviously interior styling, not fashion styling, yeah. but, you know, it's very similar. Yes. And, um, you know, there'll be fashion stylists on set and all of that kind of thing. And for me, like after having gone through like being, you know, having so much creative freedom and not having to answer to anyone, basically, like it's my vision and all of this stuff. So then having like 10 people go, um, do you think we should move that cushion a little bit more? Or do you think we should like put the red cushion in or whatever? You know, and I'm like, I just, I don't know. It was good money, but I was like, I just can't do this. I yeah. just like, it's pretty much how my, yep. Uh, all of that speaks to me because <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And I think because I first got into it, with an ad agency that was actually just such a great, great example of how to sort of synergistically work together. I was spoiled at the beginning. And when they lost the contract and I found myself having to kind of fit into the worlds of all these other agencies, I realized, wow, like everyone is so different. But I also lost a lot of confidence and I started to think, am I actually even good at this? Because it felt like there were so many different opinions and, and that they were questioning, you know, what I had done for years and felt like I knew what I was doing. And that for me was kind of the beginning of the end of, um, I guess, styling in those kinds of capacities. But it was also um, when I was thinking about having children and when I'd had, I'd, and also I'd had a child and I was about to have another and then the pull of family and needing to be at home and not in planes and cars. And, and so it sort of, I felt like it came to an end at a time where I was ready for it too. But I also stopped enjoying it because, yes, because there were too many chiefs. <laughs> and, I was, and I was starting to just lose faith in what I was doing and, and my value. So, but the world of doing it, I loved. When it was good, it was amazing. 
but um, when there were just so many different opinions um, and so many different people telling me, should you be doing this? Is, oh, should this not be in this place? And I'm thinking, oh, I like it. <laughs> I think it's great there. Um, so, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be interesting to get your take of, as somebody who has worked in the world of fashion and fashion styling, what do you think are some of the universalities between fashion styling or some of the lessons that you were able to kind of take from working in that and kind of bring it into more of the interior styling and, and the world of interiors? Because I do think there's there's a lot of overlap, you know, with color and, you know, like proportion and, and things like that. But what what's your take on that? Yeah, no, I, I think there are a lot, at least in my experience of it, there are a lot of um, similarities. For me, it was simply that instead of dressing a person and pulling a cohesive look together, you're still dressing something. It's just, and for me, and what I did, a lot of it was I was product sourcing. So some of the times these um, pieces didn't have to go together because I guess the magic of a, of a magazine or a catalog is that when you're reading it, you think, oh, wow, but actually all these pieces are shot individually and then photoshopped onto a page to look how they'd like it to look. But when I did get to dress a room or a little space, it felt very similar to dressing a person, but you're just trying to kind of cohesively pull things together and create, a, well, it could be a theme, could be a cozy space, it could be a country, you know, country vibe or bringing in trends. But this, it was the same in terms of there was, it was probably more cumbersome in terms of pulling product because instead of using, you know, instead of just garments, you're going from one location to pull some giant <laughs> piece of furniture and heave it over to wherever the studio was. Or in my case, it was always a studio that we were, we were working in. Um, but in terms of colors, definitely. I, but back in the day, I did a, blog which is now defunct don't go looking for it <laughs> but it was all about how similarly at least to me how dressing yourself I find is very similar to how you know you think about a space and how a space can feel like you you know you're pulling items that really speak to you and, and tell a story um, about who you are and so I, I felt like that was in terms of when I styled, it was a similar process, but the items were huge. And yeah, you, you, you would have styled a lot more spaces than I would have, because it was mostly product, individual shots. And if I was lucky enough, I would be able to style a little space in a studio and make it look as though it was part of a big house or something. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it's, uh, but it's still, you know, I, I, I always think that if you can learn to style though a small little vignette or something like the same principles apply though it's just on a bigger scale you know it so does I think yeah it is yeah it's transferable so i'm curious about like how would you describe then like your personal style and how that's evolved over the years as well yeah my personal style has oh gosh it's come i feel like it's come a long way but I also feel like it's been shaped by my life experiences. Um, and that, yeah, I think when I first was able to style my own home, I 
still loved a white canvas, but I was in love with bright, bold color. Still love it. I still love to, uh, to look at bright, bold color on other people's and other people's lives. But that was where I was at. And then um, I, yeah, I lost, yes, I lost a baby. That was my very first baby. And that shaped a lot of things. It shaped the house that we ended up coming into. But I feel as though it made, made me almost a different person. Um, it sort of cracked me open to the point where, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it made me more me. I mean, I mean, I've gone through um, the lows of it, but in terms of my style, I now gravitate to a very grounded palette, a very neutral, earthy colors, soft colors I feel most at peace with, which I know um, people would probably even either say that it's the, it's the trend to love neutrals, but I genuine, genuinely feel most at peace, most at home around these shades. And so for me, and maybe it's since having a family, because I went on to have two beautiful boys and I'm very grateful for them. But yeah, I do love my earthy tones personally. And if I'm dressing, you would probably say she dresses like her house because like I said, like dressing, yeah, I, I love the same colors. I don't, my home looks like something I would wear. I would <laughs> I mean, I would take inspiration from that, but yeah. So if anything, it's gone from sort of loving the bold, bright colors, but also it was almost like a different time in my life to now where I just feel most at peace around very soft, earthy tones, um, which, yeah, I find earthy tones to me, people, the, the thing at the moment is beige is boring or some, I don't know, Whereas to me, I look at these colors and I find them really interesting because it's kind of like, how do you make it feel seen in a space? You know, because they're unexpected. You don't think of beige to be bold. So I like the challenge of it because I don't think it's as safe as people believe it to be. So, yeah. Yeah, so I agree. Maybe that's sort of, you know, I mean. Yeah. 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 I mean. <laughs> Um, I, I, I certainly found, you know, and obviously I'm, you know, incredibly sorry for your loss. And I know you touched on that on a recent Instagram post. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, all of these life experiences shape us in, in different ways. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, it'd, it'd be interesting to hear about like your take on, you know, what your home kind of became for you as well after that experience, like not just in terms of the color palette, but I know for me, um, the like I've got four children and I kind of say like my children bring the color you know like it's because there's so much like there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of noise like there's a lot of vibrancy with four children and and it's like for me personally I I just need the simplicity of and I, I do want to ask you about your the simplicity of your home because it is incredibly pared back and you know I love that about it as well and you know that's like that's when I actually became more and more attracted to living simply, living with a neutral palette. Like the more kind of like not complicated, but you know, the more kind of um, levels of complexity, you know, 
came into my life through my children and like work and juggling it all and all of those things. Like the more I wanted to simplify my home, the more I wanted to simplify my color palette and, and all of that. So yeah, I'm just kind of curious with you about that in relation to, I guess, simplifying your spaces as well. Agreed. I think I often joke to my um, friends that I think minimalism, minimalism was created by parents <laughs> who just felt overwhelmed by these new people <laughs> who are so, they need you uh, just to be in their lives. They need so many things from you and life is loud that I actually feel like potentially it was just a, <laughs> the person who started it. I mean, you'll probably know the history of it intimately, but you know, maybe it was just a tired parent that was like, you know what, we need to, to make some curate our curate the things that we can curate about life and make them enjoyable because life and all its other aspects is so full and so full on. And I feel that way too. Like, um, I think when, yes, so when I lost my daughter, I felt like it stripped me back. So it kind of stripped me back to what is it that I actually like? What is it that I actually want? And then enter my two children now and they just need so much and they're, they're so full of life that I kind of just expanded upon that and was like, I actually just want some peace. And I'm at home a lot of the time. So I'm just like, what brings me peace? <laughs> and, so, and for me, it's, it's, it's thinking about what is in my home that I actually really like? What are the colors that I actually want to be around and, and trying to pair it all back, but also in a way that feels cohesive, that's easy to keep to the best of my ability. And um, yeah, because my children still, they have colorful toys. They have all of the things that two growing boys would love to have but for me it's like you know creating storage for them to be able to have all those things and their rooms for instance I'm in the process of changing their rooms they used to share a room um, but now they have their own spaces and so for me I'll be bringing more color into that and they will be dictating what is it that you know they would love to see because they're old enough to kind of tell me but when it comes to my living space, the kitchen, my bedroom, the connecting spaces, I just want them to feel peaceful. And that to me is to just have less. <laughs> but, but in a way that still feels like there's a personality to it. Um, because, yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. It's, it's, there are so many things. That they feels like clutter in a way, uh, <laughs> you know. Um, even the noise of life. I some like I, I think I like the colors I like because they just feel soft and gentle. Because if anyone's been around kids, they'll know they're super noisy. And when everybody's trying to talk over the top of everyone, it's yeah, it's a lot. So, you know, uh, and for me that yeah, these softer neutral tones and kind of really thinking about what is it that I want to put in this space tends to be simple and paired back um yeah so how old are, how old are your um boys five and seven so they've just I've okay. just left oh, no I haven't, I haven't just left one one has just left to go to school <laughs> 
So now yeah. I have two school yeah. kids. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a busy age for kids. Like they're always creating things and there's a lot going on at that age. I've got a seven year old, but he's my youngest. Um, and so something that a lot of people struggle with, particularly when they do have young children is, I mean, obviously the amount of stuff that comes with children, but you know, letting go of or editing collections in general. So mm. are you naturally somebody who is good at maintaining a minimal kind of or you know simplified home? Or do you have to have like annual sessions of like, okay, it's time to kind of like get rid of things or are you good at something, you know, like one thing in, one thing out? Like what what's your kind of approach to all of that? I aspire to one thing and one thing out. But because life is fast and busy, I, I don't often get around to it. So it always has to be kind of a, it sort of turns out to be seasonally. So at the end of every season, or just sometimes after a couple of months, I will just naturally feel like there's too much stuff. There are, there are too many things in cupboards that I don't recognize or have grown beyond my child. And so I try to include them in that process as best as I can, because I feel like not I mean kids will be kids but I feel like if they at least can see that more is more and then we try to um I will just sort of straight off the bat donate the young toys you know the toys that they no longer play with but I do I have to stay on top of it I definitely am not someone that every week you know right okay it's time to just start curating because there are too many moving parts in terms of you know, all the events, all the extracurricular activities that they have going on. But yeah, every season, I will just feel like, oh, <laughs> we need to get in here. But it's usually to do with, yeah, their, it's usually to do with their toys and, and um, clothes even, just that the, the wardrobe's being filled, filled with clothes. Um, but yeah, I and I do, I tend to be someone who keeps my spaces tidy, but when it comes to their bedrooms, I sort of am a little bit more relaxed, but I will try and get them to, to do it as well, as best I can. But I mean, look, five and seven, <laughs> it's usually mum that ends up doing it, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you've touched on for your own spaces. Um, do you, are you very conscious of what, objects you allow into your home in terms of I, I think particularly you know if you work as a stylist like you're often like acquiring props or bits and pieces and and um, you know it can be very easy to have things come into your home are you very you know conscious of that or again um, do you kind of tend to have like seasonal you know clear outs of, of things that you've accumulated over the years yes I I was when I was styling a lot more than I do now for other people I kind of had this mindset of I need this because I'll need this for something I'll need this for a shoot whereas now I am a little I'm, I'm even better at how, when I go and look for things I sort of am way more restrained because I know that that's just going to add to it's just going to add it needs to be somewhere in my house and if there's no space for it or um so I'm a lot better at going do I love this like do I genuinely love it? Because I sort of feel like now if someone did call upon me to style something, I love kind of everything that I've purposely put on a shelf. I'd just use that, you know, um, rather than having 
cabinets full of styling props that I may use one day <laughs> for, for something because they tie in with a certain look. Um, but yeah, no, I'm a lot better. I, I feel like I'm becoming more restrained, but that's mainly because with little children and things and, and we've just finished having the birth, like a birthday party and other people bringing in items, you know, which is lovely. If you're a kid, <laughs> and then if you're a parent, you're like, oh, I love it, but geez, where are we going to put this and what has to go? Um, but yeah, no, I'm quite pared back now. Even when I shop, I shop, I mean, it's a very trendy word, but I shop a lot more intentionally because it has to go somewhere. And um, sometimes I even go, I'm like, I love it. But I just can't. <laughs> I just, you know, um, yeah. And well, I'm I'm curious as well because a lot of your projects that you share on your Instagram feed, they seem to be items that you found inexpensively, maybe at you know secondhand stores or wherever, and you kind of you um, reimagine them and you sort of turn them into this amazing creation. Obviously, when you're going into places like that, I think that, you know, it could be quite easy to kind of get, oh, because it's not usually a cost, you know, it's not cost prohibitive. And so you could kind of go like, oh, wow, this is a great bargain or this is a great find. Or mm. So how do you kind of judge like what you're going to bring into your home from that perspective? And then obviously, you know, you create all of these things. And now I've noticed that you're starting to sell some. Yes. Maybe you can share a little bit about, yeah, that sort of journey of like going into the stores and what decisions you make in terms of what you bring into your home. Yeah, so the the things that, you, that you'll start to see on my Instagram or you've even started to see now are things which I actually had because I sort of stored them knowing that I would do this particular thing with them. And so, and that was my headspace maybe a couple of years ago, but I just hadn't got around to being able to do these DIYs until now because children. <laughs> but I also have come to the point where I'm like, there I've got a, a lot of things that have been stored over the years. I, I love some of them. I love some of them less. Or I could see them working. Someone would have a wonderful space for this thing. You know, and so that is why, hence why I've decided to sell a lot of pieces that I've held on to for crafting reasons or just because I love them. <laughs> and, um, and yes, so I will, I, I'm moving them on. But I figure like the shop is a wonderful thing because I sort of thought when I first started selling pieces, I was like, oh, I love this, I love this thing. Like, how will I live without it? But then when it, once you find, and oftentimes I get to talk to the people who have bought the thing and just how much enjoyment and passion they have for it, I'm like, I feel really good about this. So it's actually helped me in that if I see something, I, I don't see it as being for myself necessarily. I'll just go, right, I know that this will be enjoyed by someone. So I can use my eye in that way. But at the moment, yes, I have things that I'm shifting on and moving on. and then. When it comes to a DIY project, I'm still working through the little backlog of things um, like the craft robot, which I've just done. That was something that I wanted to do. So I bought that specifically for that reason. Um, and I have a few pieces that I'm still 
going to make because I have an actual place to put that. But everything else, I'm very intentional about why I want to bring it in, especially if it's for my house. <laughs> um, but if it's for the shop, it's almost like having the shop as a way to give back to people who have been following and love that a lot of people can't see something working. Um, and, and then if I'm like, well, actually, if you style it this way, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And so it's kind of, it feeds that part of me that sees something great, but doesn't want to hold on to it myself. Um, so that's where that goes. And are you, yeah. And are you enjoying the creative outlet of it as well? Definitely. Definitely. Like I, and this is the thing, I don't think, even though I love styling my own spaces, I love the freedom of being able to do that. But I, I don't know as I, people have often asked me, would you like to style for clients and, and things? And I'm not sure. I think what I love the most is being able to find pieces or come up with pieces that people might love and then make them available for people to purchase. Or, yeah, I think I'm more of the inventor or, the, you know, the person that just loves to tinker and say, hey, this looks great. What do you think of this? And, yeah, and that's just something I've kind of come to understanding and, and, and recently, really. Um, yeah. I'm curious to know as well, for someone who says that you're not very good at sewing, you're incredibly talented at DIY <laughs> and you make it look so easy. Um, I mean, I literally, I've watched things and think like, wow, you just, because I'm actually not very good at that kind of thing. Like I, I can have the visual, yeah. but I just, I'm, I'm very impatient. Yeah. And um, so my husband often has to like come and rescue me in that kind of sense of like, come on, yeah. like, because he's actually super handy. Um, I know what I want it to look like, but uh, yeah. So have you had to like teach yourself like with online tutorials or yeah, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, not really. I mean, I think it's just always like as a little girl, that was something that I was always doing, crafting, putting things together, glue and popsicle sticks. You know, that was what I always would do. And I don't even know, like I know my grandmother inspired me in a lot of ways, but I don't my dad's quite handy, but I don't even know where that comes from to, to that point. Um, I did look at a, many YouTube videos for um, how to make arches and doorways. And <laughs> like, but at the same time, I mean, I know my limitations too. And so, you know, builder friends will come in and I'll say, if I do this, will the house fall down? You know, I mean, not to that extreme. That's very dramatic. But I do take guidance from people who are a lot handier than me, especially if it's a very, you know, if it's a structural change that's wanting to be made. I have a, an amazingly patient and um, handy father-in-law. So my husband Joe's father. My husband Joe is, he's very impatient. So if I ask him to do something, I will kind of do as much as I can myself. And then I'll go, can you help me with this? And he'll do it. But my father-in-law, Charles, he's just, he's got a lot of time and a lot of um, knowledge to impart. So he helps me kind of learn, okay, this is how you work this power tool. Because sometimes it is just having the confidence. You know, you see someone using like a big um, saw and you think, okay, I'm scared of that. I, I couldn't do that. But really, if you just learn how to use the saw, you'd be away. Because, you know, it's kind of like, 
you can cut paper, you can now cut wood. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I visualize something and I do as much as I can myself. And sometimes that I I will just go at it. I just I love that kind of thing. And then, <laughs> and then it will just, yeah, I don't really know. <laughs> but it works out for me most of the time. Just quickly, you know that I don't run ads on this podcast. So my only ask from you is that you can help me spread the word so that we can help other creatives on their journey. Because not only does everyone deserve to create a home that makes them feel good and make life better, but you can also help someone who is trying to earn a living doing what they love, support their families and create a business that can have a positive impact on the world. And the best way we can do that is if you can rate and review and share this podcast. It just takes a couple of seconds or just one thumb tap. Not only do you help make this podcast possible, but more importantly, this simple act can help transform the life of someone else. Um, and so I have to ask you as well about Instagram because you have a beautiful feed. Um, I mean, I feel like everything that you create is, yeah, I mean, even your little videos of like showing how you've made something like they're just all so beautifully done. Um, how, you know, like what's been your journey with Instagram? How have you chosen to, you know, share your spaces? Like what's your kind of, I guess, intention behind all of that? And um, what works for you? Because I think, you know, it can be obviously such a minefield as well, like in terms of, I don't know, all of the thoughts and all of that side of things yeah. as well. Can you share, you know, and how do you choose to show up on Instagram as well? Yeah, well, I think that's, it's funny because for me, it really all started in me changing rooms in my home and then sharing that. And I won't lie, when you see what people seem to like from you, you sort of think, oh, well, well, I can do more of that. And so I sort of found myself on this trajectory of like, okay, well, what works well? What do people want to see? Because, and then I create and I would create from that place. But in the last, I don't know, I feel like Instagram has changed quite a lot. I feel like I don't even understand <laughs> what, you know, what's going to be seen. Who knows? Like, you know, what, what are they up to? And so and hence why the DIYing and doing more of that and sharing more of that was just something where I, I said to my husband, I said, well, I can't actually be bothered changing rooms for the sake of changing rooms. <clears throat> and I kind of sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I think, well, I love this. I love the way that the sun hits there and I'll take a photo. But, but I had this big list of DIYs and I just thought, I really want to do this for me. And I, who knows what people are going to think about some of these things, but I'm just going to post a video about it but I don't actually just come up with DIYs because people want to see them these are just it's just a list of things that I want to work through for myself and, and they've caught on because people are like well that's interesting what's this girl up to I don't and then that's how that's become and to the point where I sort of think now where I, I definitely care about what people are wanting to see from me, but I think for me to actually really enjoy it, it has to be something that I actually want, <laughs> like something that I actually am doing anyway. Um, 
there is a part of me though that as my following has grown where I feel like oh it's quite scary it's quite scary if I think about the number of people following me like um but I think I don't know I just think as I get older I'm like well this is what I want to share and I do love putting videos together but I'm also kind of a slow I don't move quickly I don't I can't keep up with the pace of people of posting all the time just to post. So I sort of think if I really love what it is that I'm sharing, then I'm happy to share it. Um, but there have been times where I haven't posted for like four weeks and then I'm like, here I right, everyone. <laughs> I made something. You might like this. Um, so yeah, it has to start with what would I really like to share and what feels good to me and then Hopefully people like it because, yeah, I don't. Um, and then as to where that's going, this is a good question. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, I've obviously had the shop as a means of, and, and I've sort of can commit to putting new things out seasonally because when you have pieces there, you've got to restore them or um, repair them, and that takes time. But in terms of Instagram, I always posted because I genuinely love it and I love to add value or be, I don't know, maybe it's entertainment that people keep watching for. Um, but I feel, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just someone that loves to create things. I just love being creative and sharing that. And I would love so to. So it's a creative, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I would love to be able to do that. How do I do this, Natalie? <laughs> Where am I going? Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of one of those people that let's just see where it goes. Let's just see, you know, let's just keep doing what you do and, um, and see. <laughs> but I don't yeah, know. so it's, it seems like it's a creative outlet for you. I mean, you mm. don't really share much about like your family or your personal life or, you know, that kind of thing, you know, like, it, it seems to be very much about your home and what you create in your home. And is that where you feel most comfortable? Yes, although it is. I used to share a lot more about my family um, or my boys, but then I sort of, in the early days, that's what I shared quite comfortably. But I also found that my kids, it worked, there were two things. My kids just didn't care to be, you know the subjects of whatever it was I, was I was doing and I said well I don't want to make you I don't want to force you to do anything but also I don't know I just wanted to protect them a little bit and protect their sort of anonymity um, because I realized that a lot of the stuff now on my feed is sort of driven by me so that's the only reason why I don't really share them um I definitely love to share I would love to share more of my personal life because it's not that interesting I mean it's just going about my day and stuff so I think you'll probably see more of that from me um but yeah it's I think it's mostly a creative outlet but by nature I'm quite introverted so sometimes I sort of think do people actually want to see that side I mean <laughs> so yeah so it's actually me battling my own insecurities maybe sometimes when it comes to all the other stuff that I share and I sometimes think god there's so many things on the internet you know what why do people need to see more you know from me or what would people even want to know so yeah 
But then when you give of yourself sometimes in some aspect, it's like you want to hold something back for yourself. So <laughs> I'm still I'm still figuring out. Um, yeah. But it is. It's a yeah. purely creative outlet and I love to be able to share that with people and yeah. Yeah, I can relate to all of that. I mean, I'm strangely enough, people probably don't think this, but I mean, I'm an introvert too. Like I, I, <laughs> I very much just enjoy, want to be in my own space, enjoy my own company, you know, like, I mean, I enjoy talking to people in like one-on-one, but in terms of big group settings, like I get incredibly overwhelmed in group settings and I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other story, but yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's just finding, I think you, it's, it's a, it's an iterative, iterative process I think Instagram it's like you try a little bit and you see how it feels and then you either step more into that or you kind of pull back and go no that actually doesn't feel right for me and and I think it's just like that dance of like step this way and see how that feels and you know you just everyone's got their own comfort level and and but like you say I mean you know you can do these creative projects and you can share them and and that can be so encouraging. And if it's something that you love doing and you get great feedback from it, then it's like, you know, well, actually I get so much personal enjoyment out of other people's personal enjoyment, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a, yeah, there's a lot of good that can come from it as well. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Here's the thing. I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask in terms of, you know, like how does one make Instagram work from a business point of view? You know, like how, because I think for that, I just feel like the social media landscape has changed so much that sometimes you can get caught in the, um, the, oh, well, this isn't performing well, or this one isn't liked as much as the one that I did the other day. And then stress about that when actually I feel that the issue at the moment is just, there is so much choice. It's, <laughs> there is so much available, available and being given to people. I mean, I, I am guilty of looking at my phone and flicking through something for way longer than I should. And I don't even know what it was that I was looking at, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you. So I feel that it's not that people aren't giving of themselves and that, that people don't want to see them. I think people want to see who they've chosen to follow. I just think that there is so much choice that sometimes our eyeballs and our time can't, isn't either, isn't being shown it all the time or is just being pulled in all these different directions and so it's kind of like you just have to be okay with going you know what if only one person is like into this so be it but I'm just going to keep going you know <laughs> like dancing by yourself in a way um just so that you have some enjoyment of it and, and that you hold on to that sort of passion like going it rather than going oh the people this is something like with me and going oh well, people mustn't like this or like what I'm doing anymore and I, I think that's actually not the case I think there are just too many things it's like with children's tv I mean you're either a screen mother or you're not but my children can watch a little bit and I just think bring on bring me back the days when there were three channels you know and that's all you could do but um, yeah you just have to love what you do enough and know that you know the people who want to see you and who have chosen to follow you still want to see you <laughs> so yeah um 
I, I think that's very sage advice and um you know I think that's a good a good takeaway from it. Um now before I go to the the last questions that I ask of everyone, um so can you just paint a picture now? So are you currently still doing some styling work or are you more focused on just your own shop and the sort of the projects that you work on? Yeah, so at the moment I am sort of tiptoeing into the world of taking on some collaborations. But I again that I'm very particular about that. And so to some degree they are sort of styling oriented. <clears throat> I guess it, it's to your question of like where to from here for you? And I'm like, yeah, I might do a bit of those. Um, but yes, the shop is there. And when I'm not on Instagram, I am literally sanding tables and chairs and things like that for the next drop. Or I'm at the moment, I'm designing, there's a piece that I've been designing for the last three years. It sounds like, oh, what what is it that you but it's more that I've had a lot of um, setbacks over the course of the three years and I'm nearly at the end where I have this piece that I designed that I can share with people um, and so that's coming to an end and then yeah not so many styling gigs a lot of um, a lot of DIYs in and around life with children because they still require so much and there is never enough time in the day I kind of set about having this list of these, this is what I'm going to get done today. And I do some of it. And then the kids are home, you know, so it's kind of like I do what I can. And then I help my husband with his, um, his business sometimes. It's like all the things. But, um, yeah, sounds good though. Sounds it good. is. It sounds like a good life. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I, I do love it. I always, I always give thanks for the fact that I can I can still be creative because I think I need that. I think my I need that <laughs> to feel um, I don't know. I think it's part of my passion or purpose rather. Um, so I'm very grateful that I still get to be able to do that um, in and around all the other moving parts. Sounds good. All right, let's get into. Um... The, I shouldn't know how many questions there are, but anyway, the last little batch. Yeah. Um, so which five words best describe you? Um, I, I do think down to earth, um, crafty, um, quiet, observant. How many is that? I think that's four, so one more. I'm funny, but people don't see that side of me. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. No one thinks I, I know. Think anyone thinks that. I, I, no, I, no, I yeah. always find me <laughs> Yeah, I have a very, I'm very, it's probably not a good thing, but I was going to say, I'm actually very, I love sarcasm. But I mean, sometimes, you know, when I'm just joking with like um, people. So, but I love a good laugh. I love nothing more. So. Yeah, that's good. Um, what's the best lesson that you've learned? I think it's just to, you are where you need to be because sometimes we live in a world where it's just so fast. Everything, it feels like people are doing amazing things. It feels like there's never enough time in the day. But you are where, you meant, where you're meant to be. And it's okay to show up from where you are. And, and 
and know that you have so much to offer just at the place that you are. Um, because I don't know, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about like future me or future what I'm doing, or you're looking back and going, you know, that was so great. Um, but it's, yeah, taking the time to just be where you are and start there and just, yeah, it's almost like when you're creating, like if you're creating a space, I always say to people, because they'll look at my feed and they'll think a certain thing, it's like, just start with what you have, you know, what have you got at home that you could, if it's a couch, you know, could you put a throw blanket on it? Could you cover it if you don't like the fabric? Could you just put a sheet over it because you like the color of the sheet? And then could you put a picture on the wall that you've painted like in 10 minutes somewhere, but at least it kind of speaks to a trend that you really like. Like you don't have to aim for some, I don't know, amazing thing that you've seen somewhere else because you actually have a lot to pull from where you are and just to kind of have a look around and have a good, like what is it that I have here or who is it that I am and what do I have to offer people because there's so much that is available to you right now. So yeah, yeah, I um, mm. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great, it's beautiful. Um, what's your proudest achievement? Definitely my children, in terms of like it was personally. Um, my proudest achievement is also I I like who I am. I think, and accepting myself. And if for, I mean, obviously, because I know, I mean, the people see a side of me, but that's just one side of me. And if I think about like um, who I was when I was 20 or 30, I don't wish to be her again. I'm, I'm very happy with who I am now. Like, yes, okay, there are some things that I'm like, oh, that was kind of nice to be able to do that. But yeah, I, I, my biggest achievement is loving who I am at every chapter that is me and being accepting of it, even if life is changing in lots of different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah, equally beautiful. Um, <laughs> what's been your, your best decision or one of your best decisions? buying this house I mean we bought it at the very we bought it at a time when I was very very pregnant and the house was very very run down and we literally paid all that we had which all those moving parts are like you're crazy because you know but it's given me so much it gave me so much at a time when I had really kind of lost my way and it's like it's given me more than just a, a house of wood and whatever. I don't know. It means more to me because it's helped me explore my creativity. It's obviously where my babies grew up um, and are still growing to be who they are. Um, yeah, by far. And that's why I love home because it's more than just, you know, what you see. It means so much. Yeah. Who inspires you? Mm. I, oh gosh, 
lots of people inspire me, but sometimes it's not even, I, not that you, you should always look <clears throat> to the future, but I do love, I mean, at the moment, I love looking on YouTube. YouTube is something that has almost replaced television for me. And so sometimes I seem to be seeing a lot of people who are a lot older than me. Um, and I can't remember their names, but it's just people who are still loving life. You know, they're exploring their dress sense. They're exploring things like makeup. I don't wear like a whole heap of makeup, but I love to watch what they do with it. Um, people who are exploring their passions and they're like 20 years older than me. Don't know who they are, but I love to see that because it, you know, we're not getting any younger. We've got to, you know, and sometimes I think we're told by society that it's like, this is beginning to the end. No. <laughs> Whereas I am just really excited to, I, I get so excited when I see people just enjoying every part of um, life. Um, and especially when they're um, a lot more further ahead than I am, I'm just like, I love to see it because it inspires me. Um, but yeah, I, nameless people. That's the beauty of social media, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it's like who, is, who are these people? Um, so you're kind of fed more of the same thing. And that's when I think it works really well because I do seem to see a lot and I'm just like, you go. I love it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. What are you passionate about? Mm, I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about peace. I love in terms of just being in my own company, I know not everybody likes to be by themselves, but I love, I like to explore that. Like, what's it like to just be on your own? <laughs> and um, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even as like, even like as a mum, like sometimes it's like I say to my husband, I'm just, I just want to go for a drive. I just need to be by myself. And he respects that. And some of the best journeys I've had are to nowhere in particular but just in my car listening to what I want to listen to and just being with myself so so um that and creativity I think for me when I'm least anxious and least I don't know worrying about life is when I'm actually immersed in a project of whatever it doesn't have to be really too much could be painting a wall for instance it could even be cleaning I know that's kind of but for some people cleaning is just like it, you lose yourself because you're in a task and you're just and it's just quite relaxing I don't know I mean it's kind of gross when you have to think about oh I've got to do this and this and this but yeah I don't know there's a lot of joy in these little tasks but when you can lose yourself like that um you just kind of think oh this is actually what's really cool <laughs> this is <laughs> this is this brings me a lot of peace um so yeah I'm passionate about that those things yeah I can relate to a lot of that actually my husband um he kind of jokes with me because often on like a Friday afternoon I'm like 
He's like, are you going for your drive? Are you? <laughs> and I just need to like, it's like my way to decompress from the week. And it's like, I will kind of find like, I've got to go and get something. And it's not really about getting the thing. Like it's just yeah. to kind of, yeah, have a point to kind of go and drive. And I just need that time to myself. And um, and I love cleaning too. I also joke that like I could quite happily be a cleaner in some ways because I'm like, I actually love cleaning. Like I love a clean home. I love cleaning. Like I love the order it, like all the things. Yeah, but, um, yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think, yeah, there's, and there's a start and a finish and the finish is within reach, you know, and there's so much joy to be had in this, even if it's just for five seconds and then the kids come back in. Um, for sure. And those road trips, honestly, I feel you because, yeah, I mean, some of my best ideas have come to me when I'm just driving. <laughs> like, that's it. Just me and myself in the car. <laughs> yep. Um, what dream do you still want to fulfill? Oh, um, I, I mean, this is just, I'd love to travel more um, in, in general. Um, but in terms, and so that for me would be a dream just to be able to travel more and see more of the world and more of the, because for me, I live through, I'm a homebody. And so if I have traveled, it's through a screen and just, or through books. So it would be a dream to actually see some of these places or some of these things in person and, you know, experience the culture and smell the air and go, okay, I'm here. Um, so that would be a dream. And I mean, I know you've written books. I don't know. Some of the people have often said to me, oh, you need to write a book. And I'm like, I don't know what I'd put in it. <laughs> so I feel like um, I would like to write something, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether it would be a book, to be honest. Maybe I just need to write more so to start writing my own thoughts on paper more. Um, but yeah. It will come to you if if you if you have a book inside you one day that I on one of those car trips you'll yes. be like that's how I can do it that's the thing that it is exactly yeah. yes <laughs> so, yeah no that's so true I need to drive more basically <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you reading at the moment do you have any books on your bedside table or favorite oh. coffee table books what what are you reading at the moment. I um, I think it's called, I know, it's hap Happiness Becomes Her, but I haven't started reading it. And it's, um, it's by Tina Turner, but I know that Tina Turner yeah. recently passed away. And so for some reason, there are some, you know, for celebrities when they do pass, I often find myself going, who was this person? Like, you know, and, and I discovered that she wrote, she didn't, no, she did write the book. Um, and so I've just got that one and it's, I think it's happiness becomes her or happiness becomes you. And I think it's where she found later in life after all her singing, it's just how she found, um, stillness and the things that she did. And I, again, this feeds back to what, you know, the things that inspire me. I just, I was like, I'm all about it. That sounds great, but I haven't started it. So. Um, yeah, but I find that fascinating because I sort of think, oh, yeah. I mean, I love Tina Turner's music, but that just deepens, you know, who she was beyond that. 
yeah she's an amazing woman um yeah. very inspiring in so many ways um what are you listening to do you listen to music on those drives or podcasts audible books um what are you listening to yeah i <laughs> i would love to listen to more podcasts if i listen to anything it's a bit of a mix it's, it's often interior ones or it's just crime i mean criminal investigations i'm one of those people that just like oh like i don't you know <laughs> murder mysteries um but 80 percent uh, of the time i will just be turning up the music and singing badly to songs because I, I you know which ones what songs uh, um i like <laughs> i like sort of the 60s 70s as it um hall is it hall and oats no um dusty springfield like just literally what I'll do on Spotify is I'll put on a song that I genuinely love, like say it's Dusty Springfield, I'll put that on. And then it, it's the wonder, wonder of technology is it just starts to like take you on this journey of all these other wonderful artists in that same time period. And I'll just be like, ah, oh. but I mean, I, I grew up, um, my parents love listening to music. And so the radio station, the one and only radio station that, they played that's all they played <laughs> so i i know a lot of the songs when i hear them and so classic hits <laughs> yes classic hits classic yeah. hits that's what yeah i would just all day every day um yeah we were actually um we had um well similar kind of music a little bit um uh and we had dusty springfield um son of a preacher man yes. you know that one yeah and we, while we were all doing like all the everyone in the family's like come on we're gonna like everyone's gonna help do the drying up and the washing up after dinner and so we had that on quite late it was actually really fun yeah so, uh, i love it i love it too to. because i feel like it brings people together like even my sons who you know they appreciate like beat and the way that a song sounds and things and i just think that it's it brings people together Th those classic hits um so it's great yeah i love we love actually putting our speaker on and then we're all just either making dinner or we're putting things away it's the best <laughs> yeah it makes it more fun definitely yeah and finally what piece of advice would you give to your younger self hmm Gosh, yes, what piece of advice would I give to my younger self? I just think I would say to her, it would be more reassurance, like, it's okay to be, it's okay to be you, it's okay to, it would always just be like, it's okay, because I mean, I was a very shy girl, and when I think back to the things that, I don't know I was quite shy to express myself and I was shy to kind of show people like what I could do I would just say just it's okay like you can you know express yourself don't be afraid of of what it is that you like or what you're interested in and especially you know there are there are more ways to be able to to share that with people now than when I was little but um it would just be you're going to be okay, you know, um, because, yeah, as we know, looking back, 
there are so many ups and downs and so many rejections and so many wonderful things. Um, yeah, just say you're, you're awesome and you're going to be okay and just express yourself, you know, share what you have because what you have is enough. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have really <laughs> enjoyed learning more about you. Um, I feel like I'm, well, I was gonna say fully versed. I mean, you can never be fully versed on somebody, but, um, but I've certainly enjoyed getting this kind of slice of your life and learning more about your journey. And yeah, it's, it's been, you know, it, you, like I said, you've got such beautiful images, um, such a beautiful feed on your Instagram. And so it's so nice to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit and get to know you know, the person behind all those beautiful images. And um, so thank you so much. Thank you. It's been amazing. I am very happy and honoured, obviously, that you wanted to to talk to me. And, um, yeah, no, um, <laughs> and that you wanted to listen as well. <laughs> all of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.